0: We're midway through a series called "Questioning Faith," and we're looking at concepts in the different world religions and comparing religions and, and concepts in the different religions. And today we're looking at the word paradise. And I wonder what you think of when I say the word paradise. Our speaker is uh, Ian Powell, and. In a few minutes, uh, Mark is going to read the passage inside the program for us. Mark, Mark has started working with the forum this year as uh, one of our newest staff workers. After Ian has spoken, it's a chance for you to ask questions or to make comments about about what you've heard today. And you can do that a number of ways. You can write down your questions on this slip of paper, there's a pen on your chairs and we'll collect those and pass them on to Ian. You can just stick up your hand and ask a, ask a question from the floor or you can text your questions to me or comments to me by the number that should be on the screen. It'll be, it'll be on the bottom of the screen as we um, scroll through the talk. Okay, so please do ask your questions and comments. Ian loves a challenge. He loves difficult questions. So make make him earn his money today. All right, well, Mark's going to read the passage and then Ian will get up to speak. Uh,
1: So we're looking at Luke chapter 23, verses 32 to 43. Two others also who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place which is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and and offering him vinegar and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise.
2: Good afternoon. I was at a wedding on Saturday and I do love going to weddings and I um, but I remember a wedding I went to some years ago in the botanical gardens. It was one of my sister's weddings. And um, uh, there was a lady I was talking to there, um, obviously from a sort of a hippie background. And we got talking about, I don't know how we got on it, but we got onto the big things of life and death and God. And she said, look, uh, I believe in reincarnation. I said, oh, how did you come to that conclusion? She said, um, well, she said, I figure there's three options. Either when you die, that's it, there's nothing. Food for worms. Uh, sometimes called sleep, but there's a great difference between sleep and nothingness. But nonetheless, that was one. She said, the second option is uh, something like heaven and hell. The third option is reincarnation. She said, the first one's unbearable to me. The second one's too serious, heaven and hell. So I went for reincarnation. Now, it was interesting interesting conversation. I loved her honesty. Uh, but I think she's right. There are basically three sorts of options about what happens to us after death. And I'm not going to spend time here... Uh, persuading you of the obvious that all of us will die and it it will come to us sooner than we think. And most people die unprepared. And uh, it's unnecessary to die unprepared for something that uh, you know is coming. But yes, it might be nothing, which at one level is quite easy to bear, I think. Uh, It might be heaven and hell, or it might be reincarnation. I think the threesome is correct. Her method of working out what is true is kind of crazy, choosing that which you prefer. There's all sorts of things that I have to live my life with, whether I like it or not. But her options were right. Uh, Jesus and Muhammad both share the view that after death there is some sort of judgment. Their picture of judgment is radically different when they paint that day. Um, And then after it is either paradise or hell. So let's have a look at um, where they are similar and where they are different. Uh, paradise appears in the Bible in, in the New Testament. You'll probably know that the New Testament, unlike the Quran, and this is neither one better than the other, is, is a collection of books. The, um, the last quarter or so is what we call the New Testament's Jesus and afterwards. Uh, the word paradise appears three times in those 27 books, once on the lips of Jesus, once on the lips of the Apostle John, and once on the lips of the Apostle Paul. The word paradise in Arabic... Uh, appears 80 times in the Quran. Uh, both the Greek and the Arabic come from a Persian word meaning simply a garden. A particular sort of garden, an enclosed private garden, is where the word for paradise in both the Greek and the Arabic comes from. Uh, when the Quran speaks of the garden, Al janah Al Jannah, um, it it, uh, it speaks in. Almost the same picture every time. There are various shades and, and deals with it. It's got a great consistency when it speaks about the garden, this paradise, this after-death garden. And in Islam, in the Quran, it is unashamedly a place of great physical pleasure. And there's nothing wrong with that. Physical pleasure, sensual pleasure is a gift from God. If you have a look under the, um, on the left-hand side, uh, many passages could have been chosen. I've chosen one there from uh, in the Quran, Surah 56. Um, I've left out some things, not because I didn't like them, but because of just a shortness of time. And there's a description. This is one of many descriptions like this uh, with these reoccurring themes of what's there in the garden, in paradise, in the Quran, In the gardens of delight, people are on lined couches. Um, They await await on them immortal ewes. These kids are spoken of sometimes as with with enduring freshness. Whatever fruit they prefer, the flesh of fowls that they desire... There are fair ones with wide and lovely eyes, like under hidden pearls. There is a reward for what they used to do amidst the spreading shade and the waters gushing and the fruit in plenty, neither out of reach nor yet forbidden, and raised couches, and he made them their virgins, lovers, and friends. And you have this constant picture in the Quran, in various uh, of the surah and then in many of the hadiths of the Prophet Muhammad, uh, the the sayings of the Prophet gathered in, in great collections, the same picture of rivers one of the great uh, well-known often quoted passages rivers of uh, water rivers of milk rivers of wine rivers of honey a place of abundance and the way that some muslim scholars speak of it is this and this is i think quite a seems to be quite accurate to the spirit and teaching of the quran that as life is to an oasis as as traveling in a desert is to an oasis so is life to paradise uh, life in the desert is a place where there's a shortage of water, uh, shortage of fresh water, uh, shortage of clean water, and, and there's an absence of lovely sounds and lovely smells and lovely tastes. When you come into an o- uh, oasis, it's, it's a definite continuity But it's rich in flavours, in refreshment, in those things that make life lovely and beautiful. That's the picture of paradise. So it is when human life finishes, if you are blessed to be in paradise, so you will go into that place of wonderful pleasures. Um, Muslims sometimes complain about the non-Muslims' obsession with this question of beautiful, full-breasted women, which the Quran goes on quite a number of times about. Um, But then having listened to many Muslims speak about it, they also speak about it quite a bit. Um, it can be sent up, which is inappropriate. But these are women of unspeakable beauty. Uh, your wife, if you're a man and you go to paradise, your wife will be, she'll be your wife from earth, but she will be gl- glorious and beautiful. Uh, Muhammad speaks of that if, if one of the wives of paradise came to above the earth, she would. The, the glory from her would blind the people of the earth. And although it is true that any godly man, any man who's there will have at least 70 of these um, beautiful women who are virgins and are re virginized after each time they have sex and adequate virility is given to the man that he may enjoy those options. The wife is happy because she knows that she is far more beautiful than any of those others and she is secure in that knowledge. Uh, so the, the concern there and, and the offer is in repeatedly, in, in passage after passage, the real, physical, sensual glory and beauty which often a Muslim may give up in some way in order that they may serve Allah properly. Uh, when you come to the New Testament, uh, it, same sort of word, paradise, a secluded garden, uh, Jesus himself, I think, punches here very clearly what is a central message all the way through the New Testament in verse 43 in the passage at the top, on the left-hand side there, when he says to the, um, the man next to him, "'Truly I say to you today, you'll be with me in paradise.'" And again and again, uh, when, the, when the Bible speaks of paradise, it's the with me part that is the enduring focus. There are some parts in the Quran where there's some sense of the, the almost visible reflection of the glory of Allah there, but the, it's not the centre. The centre is repeatedly about the magnificent um, blessings and gifts that Allah will give to his faithful servants. Whereas in the New Testament, it is obsessively about the presence of God himself and Jesus his son. So uh, one of the early Christians in the New Testament says this: "I long to die and be with Christ." See, that's that's paradise. It is to be with Christ. It is not to go to some um, paradise as we would think of it, you know, like Port Macquarie or something like that. You know, it's um, it's Him. Uh, elsewhere, in one of the earliest Christian documents, it says, "Then we shall ever be with the Lord." It's this. It's the. It's not so much the gifts are the concern. It's the giver. It's It's not so much pleasures as person, the presence of a person. We're told that we shall see him. It's portrayed as being like a wedding banquet. It's portrayed as being in the bosom of Abraham. Abraham is the friend of God, therefore presumably with God. It's to be close to Abraham, therefore close to God. Uh, it's to be in the new heaven and the new earth. It's to be in the new Jerusalem. It's to be in the great garden city. There are many different pictures. There's one consistent picture in the Quran, which is why I think it is difficult, as a tiny part of Islam tries to do, is to say that the pleasures are symbolic. It's the, it's the constant use of the one picture, as it is with the picture of hell. Whereas the New Testament, I think, is deliberately using many different images because I think in the end it knows, as it says, perhaps the clearest verse Uh, is where it says, um, the eye of man has not seen, the mind of man has not conceived, nor the ear of man heard what God has prepared for those who love him. It's just seen to be far beyond what can be described. Therefore, what you do is you speak in images, sometimes playful images, sometimes even foolish images, if you like to be harsh. The, The streets of the new city or the garden city that we're going to be taken to, and the Bible speaks in that image, is of, um, has got gold, it's paved with gold so pure it's see-through. Now, what is that saying? I don't expect, you know, if in the grace of God I arrive safe, then I don't expect to see, I don't know, my great hope is to see him and whatever he has prepared, I'm happy with. But the picture of a place to live where we will live together, mansions is another, going to the house of God, literally Jesus speaks that in John 14, that's the word he uses. What do we make streets of? Well, back in those days, what do they make streets of? Dirt and rocks. Not exactly the most valuable substance. You don't often see people, there was a hold-up in um, Camperdown, a man's dirt was robbed from him. But if you're carrying gold, you've got to be careful. The streets will be... So it's saying, what is just sort of junk that we make streets of? There, it will be the most precious, the most beautiful, the most valuable substance. So pure, it's, in, it's see-through. Now... No one in the Bible days had the slightest apprehension that gold could be purified to the point it was see-through. It's pushing language deliberately to the absurd. The gates are made of pearls. They're not sort of encrusted with pearls. It's a dirty big pearl on a hinge when the Bible speaks of it. Now, that's an engineering feat. Um, and it's a large pearl, but it's a be- pearls the most beautiful decoration they had in those days. You couldn't cut diamonds. So pearls were the most valuable. I think pearls look better than diamonds anyhow, frankly, but that's just a personal taste. Um, but the city's got great big gates but the gates are never closed why on earth have you got gates that are never closed it's just because gates are what makes cities safe it's just a, it's playing with images all the time let me read you perhaps what is one of the clearest parts second last chapter in the Bible Revelation 21 I heard a loud voice from the throne saying now the dwelling, the dwelling of God is with people and he will live with them they will be his people and God himself will be with them and he will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. The old order of things has passed. He who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. So the difference here is not so much the gifts of pleasurable things, all of which are good in themselves, that's fine. But it's, it's the presence of God himself he is the treasure and the pleasure of heaven. At his right hand, we're told in the Old Testament, are pleasures forevermore, but it's him that we're concerned about. So that's the definition of paradise. Both magnificent places to be welcomed into, but quite different in the way they're described, and consistently so. What is the alternative to paradise? Point two, much more briefly. The alternative in both the teaching of Jesus and then Muhammad 600 years after him is hell. Although, again, the essence of hell in the teaching of Jesus is to be sent from his presence. It is to be excluded from the presence of the Lord. Or you hear Jesus say, depart from me, I never knew you. Yes, there is the image of lake, a lake of fire, but that's fairly simply put. When you come to the Quran, the image of fire is spelt out. Levels of hell are spent out. Different tortures of hell are... What I think what lots of people think the Bible says, which is actually what medieval monks said, is what you do find in the Quran. And it's the one consistent picture of it. You will have skin that will be burnt in the fires of hell to the point it becomes so black and useless, Allah will himself replace the skin so the torture can continue. And when that skin is burnt off, he will replace the skin again. You will drink uh, boiling water, but you will be unable to swallow it. In your pain, you will cry out for relief. One of the 19 demons who runs hell will give you molten metal to swallow uh, your head will be bashed with an eye, with a club which has iron spikes. It, it's quite explicit, and it's the one picture. So again, it becomes difficult. And Muslims on the whole have not taken it spiritually; they've taken it in a fairly concrete way. That is the alternative. Uh, that if you're not in paradise, the alternative is not neutral but grim. I guess more importantly, in a sense, is what does the Quran say and what does Jesus say about entrance into Jannah or paradise, into the garden? Uh, here the differences are quite clear. Let me—I um, do have some other texts, but they, they say the same thing as the one that's on your sheet. If you have a look, just at the first verse from the Quran under there. I've chosen these as carefully as I could to be as fair as I can. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbour. God says so. I've tried very hard not to do that. This seems to be a representative text of many in the Quran, from Surah Four. And whoever does good deeds, whether male or female, and is a believer, shall enter the garden. And they shall not be dealt. With. That's okay. I will I'll leave it. We had some other verses there, but it just confused things. We want to get to the question time. Uh, thanks, Craig. Um, whoever does good deeds, whether male or female, and is a believer, these shall enter the garden, and they shall not be dealt with a jot unjustly. So you see what it is. It's it's those who do good deeds. The believing here. It's it's important to understand. What the Quran means by, and what Islamic scholars say, it means by believing. It is, is, um, in in Greek, in the language of the New Testament, there's there's different constructions that make clear what sort, we have different ways to talk about believing. So, um, I believe that our premier got in trouble over a bottle of Grange. Um, That is not what the Bible means when it talks about believing in God. That's the sort of belief that the devil has, according to James 2. It's believing that something is true. But when the Quran and Islamic scholars, and I've got some quotes here if you'd like them, uh, speak about the believing, it's the believing that there is no God but Allah and Muhammad as his prophet. The summary confession, not found in the Quran, but which is the essential confession to become a Muslim. It's that statement that they're talking about. Whereas when the Bible speaks of believing, it, it, it's got, um, there's, in, in the Greek there's believe hoti, which means believe that something is true. But when the Bible speaks about believing in Jesus, it's it's believe ace, which is a word of movement into something. So you've walked into a building, right? And it's believing into Jesus. That's what, which is a word of trust. It's more like you are believing uh, not that the premier's got him or the ex-premier's got himself in trouble, but you are believing in the chair you're sitting on. Do you understand that you put personal trust into it? Not a great deal, and it won't be too disastrous if your trust has been badly placed. But you got the sense. So it's to do good. It's to believe the the creed of Islam, and it's the sense of justice. In verse one, in that first verse there in Surah four, it, God will not deal with you unjustly. The question of going to paradise, a question of justice. If you've done the right thing, you'll be you'll be in. Uh, chapter nine, Surah nine, is the only statement of promise that there is about going to paradise there there's a there's a notable lack of promises about if you know that you can be assured of paradise we'll get to that in our fourth point but look at the way it's spoken of here lo Allah has bought from the believers their lives and their wealth okay so their lives and their wealth if you're Muslim belongs to Allah why because the garden will be theirs it's a swap you give your life I give the garden these are the people it's speaking about. They shall fight in the way of Allah, and shall slay and be slain. It is a promise which is binding on him. This promise of the garden. This is the only statement that is a promise. And of these, those who slay and are slain uh, in the pursuit of the of the uh, the honor of Islam. Uh, then the last sentence: Rejoice then in your bargain that you have made, for it is a supreme triumph. And it's quite clearly a, it's a reward for work done. I don't think I'm, um, I'm trying not in any way to be, I think that's the way it's spoken of. You make the Islamic confession, you do good, you will not be unjust, you will receive. The only people who are promised access to the garden are those who have swapped their life and wealth for the garden and they are those who slay and are slain um, in the pursuit of the ways of God. This is in contrast to uh, what we see in the story that you just heard read uh, from Luke 23. Verse 43, Jesus said to the man, truly I say to you today, you'll be with me in paradise. So we see, who is this man who gets this promise to be with Jesus in paradise on that very day? So unless Jesus is lying, this man has been in paradise for roughly 2,000 years. Um, Who is he? What sort of man gets a promise from the mouth of Jesus he'll be in paradise? We'll go back to verse 39. One of the criminals who was hanging there. Now, this man has got not a very impressive CV when he gets to the gate, as it were. What, did, what was your occupation? Criminal. Up to the, near the very end. Um, there's been this constant mocking of Jesus. You saved others, you can't save yourself. You saved others, you can't save yourself. If you're so powerful, save yourself. Because Jesus says he comes to seek and to save, but it looks as if he's too weak to save himself. And you probably know the irony here is that what Jesus is doing is dying so that he can save. He's made a choice not to save himself, not to preserve himself, but to, to die to save us. In that context, they mock him at the point they should be worshipping. One of the criminals has mocked Jesus. The other criminal has seen something in Jesus. It's a miracle that he's seen anything in that madness. He confesses in verse 41 that he deserves to die, so there's an awareness of his sin. And then in verse 42, there's a desperate prayer. This man is the only one who calls Jesus by his name in the whole of this story. Jesus. The name Jesus meaning? Saviour. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He realised that Jesus is about to be enthroned. And remember, it's a standard Jewish Old Testament way to ask for mercy. So he's dying. He's had a shocking, terrible, wicked life that he thinks crucifixion is a fair end to it. You've got to be been pretty dark, I think, to, to think, yeah, crucifixion's fair. This is what I deserve. And he asks Jesus for mercy. That man hears from Jesus, you're in paradise with me. Right? So it's a very if you cry out for mercy to jesus according to jesus you will find yourself receiving mercy so how do you get to paradise it's not reward for work done with some grace and mercy from god it's a pure gift from god and lastly before we have time for questions uh, can anyone be assured of paradise today i was with a, a taxi driver yesterday who's a muslim of a, a prays five times a day which is fairly rare Um, for for Muslims in Australia. It's fairly rare for Muslims anywhere, frankly. Uh, You can be deeply Islamic but not pray the five prayers and he doesn't drink alcohol, etc. I asked him, how do you feel about the judgment day and the question of paradise? Uh, He is frightened because he takes paradise to be real and hell to be real and he understands that he is has no certainty about the most important question of all. You've got two quotes there, abbreviated quotes. I can, I've got the longer ones if you'd like to see them in the question time. The first caliph is Abu Bakr. Abu Bakr is a prince among men. He was uh, Muhammad's right-hand man. When Muhammad died, he took over as the, the first caliph of the whole of the Islamic movement. And in his, just as he's approaching his death, he says to his daughter Aisha, who's a very important figure in Islam, he says, Oh, my daughter... This is the day of my release and of obtaining of my desert. right? What I, what I deserve. If gladness, it will be lasting. If sorrow, it will never cease. I want to draw your attention to the ifs there. Someone of, who's been Muhammad's right-hand man, there are great stories of the, of the dependence that Muhammad had and the respect Muhammad had, and yet this man, if any man deserves a place in paradise, Abu Bakr does, but he is terrified before his death because he does not know what will happen to him Umar takes over from Abu Bakr, he's the second caliph and he was known as the wailing man because he was so anxious about the question of judgment he speaks of himself in this quote which as I say if you want it I can put it up he said I'm like a man drowning Um, and you can see the quote there he said this awful terror that is hanging over me alas for Umar if it should not please the Lord to pardon me this was said in his dying day And he he feels he's just heading to this horrible terror of the judgment because he understands that paradise is real. Jannah is real. Hell is real. But there is absolutely no certainty for the serious Muslim. Uh, Whereas a thief, a criminal who, who cries out to Jesus for mercy on the day that he knows he's going to die is assured by Jesus because in the end the whole difference is that it is Christ's work that buys us a place, as it were. It is not our work in any... It's, it's so radically different. There's a belief in a similar sort of seriousness of destination. I've got uh, lots more stuff here, but I think in fairness that so we have question time, uh, we'll leave it there. Any questions from the floor while we gather some questions um, on paper or text? Any text it in? Yep.
0: So if you'd like to write a question... On the slip of the paper, do that. Just hold it up in the air and Mark will circulate and pass,
2: and pass it on. Okay. Who'd like to get us started? Let's get this thing on. We've only got a few minutes left. Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, I just want to add something. I just understand that even Muhammad himself wasn't assured that he was... Correct. Yeah, Muslims will argue that... They, thank you. And was Muhammad himself certain? Muslims will argue the case about this one. In, in one surah... He, he says, uh, I think it's chapter 42, he says, um, it might be 44. It's in 44 and 42, the, the two ones that they argue about. Uh, he speaks of, um, he, does not, you know, what, he does not know what Allah will do with him. Uh, in one of them, it, it says that Allah may forgive his, Muhammad's sins of past and future. Um, those who want to argue that um, uh, Muhammad was promised certainty... Um, will not emphasise the word that Allah may forgive. Those who want to say he was uncertain will say it says may. It doesn't say I have. Um, Also, the statement where he says, I don't know what Allah will do with me, is picked up in the Hadiths. Now, the Hadiths, I haven't talked about this. The Hadiths are critical. For decades when I was talking with Muslims and trying to understand Islam, I thought it was the New Testament and the Quran. It's just not. It's the New Testament and the Quran with and in the light of the Hadiths, which are the sayings of the prophet. Um, I had some, I was going to put up there, which uh, particularly about women going to paradise. But um, Bukhari uh, has references where it, it, it gives you the exact context of that statement, I don't know what God will do with me. And it's clearly in the question of what happens after death. So I think the case that Muhammad didn't know what was going to happen to him is fairly strong. He didn't seem to have the same terror that Abu Bakr and Umar had, but he had the same uncertainty. But some Muslims would say no to that. But I think the text is probably leans on the side of perhaps not. But some Muslims would say no, no, no. He, he, he was promised. Uh takes a question to do with polygamy. You yeah. said that you get 70 wives. In That's the, a minimum, really, as I understand it. It's 70 is seventy is what your standard variety okay. Muslim so gets.
0: question is, it seems, it seems that Polygamy is endorsed in heaven in Islam.
2: Mm, yes, is that
0: consistent with what Islam teaches or practices now?
2: You're allowed four wives if you're if you're a man, but you've got to be able to look after them properly. That's quite clear. You can't if you're poor. You can't. That's why most Muslims only have one. You've got to be wealthy because you've got to be able to adequately care for the four. Muhammad was given special dispensation. I think he had eleven, uh, but you can also have concubines, as Muhammad had, um, and. Um, in heaven, you will have your wife or wives who will be magnificently glorious, and and they will be content in their beauty, and they will be content with you. But you will have um, seventy or many more uh, of these beautiful and the, the, I mean, you know, they're, they're, they're described um, virgins, um, and you will, according to the hadiths, if you're a man, you'll be given the the virility of a hundred men, so that you. There's not much point in having all these. Sexually available women, if that's what you're on about, if you don't have the capacity to enjoy them. So there, there is, there is um, polytheism in heaven, without a doubt, in the, in the teaching of the a uh,
0: Question of the Bible. Can you confirm if the Bible speaks of degrees of hell based on, on, on how one has lived their life?
2: There is one verse, I think, in the teaching of Jesus where you could perhaps think possibly maybe where Jesus talks about the servant who knows his master's will as against the servant who doesn't and the punishment, but it's never, ever developed, whereas in the Quran, it's thoroughly well developed, uh, and in, as, as it is in Dante's um, work, etc., but not in the Bible. It's basically there's, there's heaven and there's hell. There may be levels of reward in heaven. It's just never spelled out. The main thing it's saying, you're either with Christ or apart from Christ. That will be paradise and that will be hell. But no, I don't think the Bible gives us any grounds for speculation in that area. You don't need to speculate with the Quran; It's spelled out.
0: Okay. Just, just a reminder about, of the four areas that uh, Ian spoke of today. Uh, the, he talked about what paradise is in the two faiths. He talked about hell. He talked about how does a person get into paradise in the two faiths. And also he talked, talked about can you be sure mm. How can you be sure of getting in? Does anybody have have any questions or comments about those topics?
2: Good. Well, I've got, I can give all the stuff I left. Oh, not all the stuff, but you know. Any any other questions that you may have heard things you might have puzzled? A... From the perspective of a woman, it doesn't sound like uh, heaven will be completely enjoyable. If you respond. Well, um, from the Islamic point of view, they will be—they will be—it will be paradise for them as well. Um, but I'm not sure what happens to a woman who's unmarried. I, I was—I've just got to be—I couldn't get clarity on what happens there. I think that they will be happy with that situation. I don't know actually where all the women come from. Um, you know, all the all the um, uh, huri's is the word that they've given—all these sort of not your wives, but other. Um, virgins who will be yours um, but we are assured uh, Muslim scholars are quite clear that, that women will be happy but they find their happiness uh, in the love of their one husband who will be a better man than he was on earth He will, like women are made more beautiful men are made more perfect um, and they will be satisfied so it will be a paradise for women it's just normally if not always described in terms of the the um, The perspective from men's perspective. I think that I think that's fair to say that that's the way it's talked of. Um, Okay. Well, um, let me finish on the question of certain Yeah. Sorry. Um,
0: So, there's presence of God in
2: heaven. Yes, biblical heaven. What about the presence of Allah in paradise? Yeah. Look, and here I've got to say I'm. I'm not, I, I really worked hard to find this out, but it was just not clear because classically in Islamic... In Islam, in classical Islam, almost ordinary Quranic, you don't know Allah. He's too great to know. That's one of the reasons why Sunni and Shia Muslims are suspicious of Sufis because they seek to know God. They're, they're the mystics, the dervishes. Uh, it's the most attractive form of Islam for most Westerners and I think its history is... Um, forcibly converted Christians, but that's a historical speculation. That because it's got it's got much more of a Christian flavor in um, in its teaching. You don't know Allah, you know his will. So Islam then Islam does not mean peace, it means submission. Um, it's just a lie. It's either a lie or ignorant when people say to you Is, Islam means peace, it doesn't. It's got the same root, the same three consonants of, of but but anyone who knows Arabic and language knows that doesn't mean, because those, those three letters that form the root of it can mean a snake bite, can mean tanning of leather, uh, it's, it's got f- those three, or it can mean peace, or it can mean submission. So that, that it's in terms of the simple consonants is related, which is like saying, you know, um, uh, there's all sorts of words in English that have got similar vowels but mean very different things. Islam means submission. So there does seem to be one or two things where Muslims speak about some sense of the presence of Allah, in, but it's not it's not being with Him, um, because in in Islam, God does not speak to Muhammad as He does to the prophets of old, as He does to Isaiah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Moses. It's all through Muhammad, It's all through the, Gabriel, the angel Gabriel, as He turns up and speaks to. It's a it's a very it, God in Islam is the transcendent other. Uh, and the Bible also believes that, but that, what the Bible is saying is that the transcendent other can stoop down, whereas the transcendent other doesn't in Islam, so that there's no presence of uh, Islam as, as such. Now, can I say one last thing? We had a young man at Barney's, just an ordinary Christian guy called Tim, who died suddenly over about three-week period, got some brain tumour um it was a shock to us all ordinary christian guy faith in jesus who died for him and gave him the gift of forgiveness i just think in contrast to Abu Bakr and umma with the terrible terror that they had although great men they were on the night the night before tim died and he knew he was dying he'd been reduced he could still think but he couldn't speak and he lost the ability to speak he was been in his 20s uh he could communicate you'd go through you'd say a b c d and he would squeeze your finger at when you got to the letter he could spell words out okay his Bible study group came to him and they came out sh- uh, tearful but rejoicing and shocked because he, he typed out on their hand, knowing that he was going to die, he said, I am so excited. Because he knew where he was going, because he knew who died for him. And there's a confidence in that relationship which Muslims would long to have but is not available to them if they take the teaching of the Quran seriously. So that's a, it's a very different Style of relationship.
0: Okay, you can, yeah, you can speak some more. Do you want to tell us about what's coming up over the next two weeks? We've got two talks left in this current series.
2: Yes, next week is Jesus and Atheism: The Question of Truth. So, if you have atheist friends at work, if you are yourself an atheist, come next week, and we'll be looking at this particular question of atheism and Jesus. And it'll be like this: short. We're trying to get. We're going for shorter talks this year with longer time for questions. And uh, people are all invited to come and ask uh, whatever question they'd like. So next week is atheism. And the week after that is Jesus versus the church, really, the question of freedom.
0: And just one more thing. And in the month of May, you'll see the postcards on, the, uh, on your chairs there. Sir, the Australian dream, looking at different facets of the great Australian dream, household holiday hold and what do we hope for? What are we living for in Australia? And the first in that series will be very interesting. Uh, this guy is a leading businessman around town, Simon Pillar. He's the founding partner of Pacific Equity Partners. He's also a Christian, so he'll be giving his perspective as a Christian on that topic of money. Is the Great Australian Dream all about money?
2: He knows about money.
0: He knows about money. Have a great Esther. The recording that you have just listened to is from the City Bible Forum. For more information about City Bible Forum events in your city, or to order other talks, please visit citybibleforum.org.